No. Ali, as you probably are all aware now, is the greatest gift giver on the planet of the earth. <laughs> and you cannot outgive her. I've like 15 years, I'm going to outgive her. I'm going to get something and I'll, and she's always, I'm like, Pah. can't, can't out, do you? But I do love it. She loves with her gifts. And if you receive a gift, it means that she does really love you. You're very good at that. So, session two, we're going to stay on our same verse. We've thrown off the things that hindered. We've got rid of it. We've dropped our bundle. And so now we're going to race to the place. And we're going to race to the place face to face. Because I like words, can you tell? (laughs) I really love words. Um, Maybe not speaking them like an extrovert might, but in my own introverted way, I love them. Um, So I thought... To kick us off, we've got a little video that I wanted to show you um, about racing to the place. So if you can watch it on the screen, I'll get out of the way. Koira pysähtyy, mutta tulee perille. Hei. Istu. Ja selkeästi Esme saa heti vainun siitä, että lähellä on lenkkimakkaraa. Upeasti Esme menee koko houkutusten highwayn. Ei epäröi. English. It was quite self-explanatory. I was showing Matt last night. I was going to check out this video I'm going to show you and he's like, I'm the Labrador. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) So who do you relate to in that? Because I think that we all kind of are one of them. The first one was fairly focused, but you know, took notice of things around and almost and wanted to detour. Second one was just like fixed. And the third one was like, oh, what's over here? Oh, what's over there? It's the snacks. I tell you, the snacks always get you. <laughs> They're too good to refuse. <laughs> and I think the truth is that we're all a little bit like the Labrador. 
at times when God has a race marked out for us, as we've heard from this verse. I should read it again just to keep it in your mind. Um, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And so we want to run our race. We have a race marked out for us, just like those dogs had a red track. We have our own track. Each dog had its track to run. We have our own track to run. And we have prizes at the end that God says we're going to get. And, but we need to actually run our race and not just eat the snacks and stop on the way. Um, and so we've dropped our bundles now, so at least we're lighter uh, and so we're ready to run. Um, but distractions are always what get you. And everyone is distracted by things. And usually what I've found is that it's actually the good things that distract you. The dog wasn't distracted by bad things. It was distracted by things it liked. It went to the food that it wanted to eat and the toy that it wanted to play with. And we too are drawn to things that are designed to to appeal to us, to distract us, to throw us off the mark a little bit. Even Eve in the garden, when she ate the fruit, even though she knew she wasn't meant to do it, the thing that appealed to her about the fruit was its goodness. It actually says, uh, where is it, Genesis 3.6, that she saw the fruit was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she's just said three words about how that appealed to her. It was good for food, it was pleasing to the eye and it was desirable for gaining wisdom. So she didn't go to the fruit to deliberately disobey God, even though that's what she was doing. She was drawn to it by how good it looked and what benefit it might bring her. And so it's just a little thing to think about that sometimes it is actually things that look good that are our distractors on our run that we need to run. I've had friends um, buy a house and get so distracted and caught up in the joy of this house and building it and doing all the things that first they stopped coming to church because the house, the house, the house. And now they've lost their faith as well. And it's like no house is worth that. Um, But I see it happen. I've seen people get enticed by jobs that promise all these great things and so they just sacrifice things that they shouldn't be sacrificing for the glory of this job or one thing that just seems so good about it that they can't refuse. It's like the Labrador with the food. Oh, that looks so good. And they just go towards that instead of running their race. Like none of these things are bad. We can have great houses. We can have great jobs. But we need to be aware with the Holy Spirit's guidance about which things are for us in our race and which things are just going to sidetrack us and take us out of our race. Um, I've even seen people get distracted by ministry and church life, which you'd think, well, that should be great. You're serving God. But if you start serving a role or a title or a something other than God, it's a really big distraction. Uh, relationships can distract us. And I'm sure you've seen, as I've seen with my two eldest girls in relationships now, that love bubble that's just so like, oh, and you know, you see it in their eyes and you're like, oh my goodness. (laughs) 
and like my eldest daughter, very like anti-relationships until this fellow Kyle came along. And then like one night she's like, oh, mum, he's so tall. Because <laughs> she's quite tall and she's always had this fear that, you know, what if I end up with someone short and I don't want to be with someone short. And she's so tall and he's so this and he's so that. And he's so tall. <laughs> he's just so tall. <laughs> and that love bubble is intoxicating. And it's actually meant to be. Like, God plans that for our relationships, that it is meant to be this lovely thing. But it's not meant to take his place in our hearts either. And so sometimes relationships like that can throw us off track. Sometimes it's a relationship that we're just that a friend that we have I don't know if you have any friends like this, but sometimes you can have a friend that's really negative and it's just all the time and it can totally deplete you of what's inside of you that you actually need to keep running your race. And so we actually have to also monitor our relationships as well so that we can keep running our race. It's not to say that you cut off every person in your life that's not, that's not perfect because none of us are. Um, but it's just something to be aware of. Is it distracting you from running your race? Because relationships can do that. And none of those things are all good things, but none of those things compare with running your race and completing it and doing everything that God called you to do and everything that he has set out for you because it's not devoid of reward. It's not all just hard slog. There is reward at the end, but these things come to distract us. And they're good things. And so very few people in the church are distracted into like terrible sins. It's usually something good that comes along and then it takes your focus and it takes your attention because it looks good and it's pleasing and you, can, you desire the things about it and you just start heading for that thing because where you look is where you focus. Galatians 5, 7, like I read earlier, was you're running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? We've got to make sure that people don't cut in and stop us from running our race. We can bring people along with us. We can champion other people on their races. But we also need to make sure that we are obeying the truth in our life and running our race that's set out for us. So very rarely is it a big, horrible thing. In fact, in all my years in church life, which I've grown up in church, I've never heard someone come and say, I know they've fallen from faith. They went out Sunday after church and killed someone. Like, you know, sometimes we think these terrible sins, but often it's just other things that just take our focus and take us away. Um, Offence, which is what I was talking about a bit earlier, is a really big thing to distract you. Because I don't know what it is about offence, but it just like sticks right in your heart, your soul, your spirit. It goes through them all. And it can totally um, drown you in a whole bunch of thoughts and feelings that totally take you off any track that you are on. It, it can be all-consuming. When you've had a serious offence, it's all you can think about. It's all you want to talk about. If you heard, I've heard Bev say that if you hear yourself say, uh, make a complaint to someone, if you say the same story three times over, you're just complaining now instead of doing something about it. And, but when we're offended, we will just keep going, blah, blah, blah. 
and it doesn't help us and it doesn't help anyone else. And I can the way I can tell when I'm offended is that it's just running in my brain all the time and I'm like, I need to say this to that person, I need to do this, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say it this way. <laughs> like, <laughs> None of it's helpful. But that's how you can tell that you're offended. You've been wounded and we get wounded. Jesus said that offence will come. So none of us are immune to it and it usually comes when you least expect it. Sometimes you're expecting support from someone and instead of support, they kind of slap you in some way and you're like, whoa. And or you're in a vulnerable moment and then someone comes in and does something, says something and it just goes in real deep. And so that's part of our bundles that we need to keep dropping. We need to keep forgiving because our unforgiveness will totally distract us because that is all you can think about you start obsessing about that person or that thing that offended you and how it's wrong and why it's wrong and there's just no point living in that headspace. You don't want that to be the person of the who, the who cut in on you and stopped you from running your race. Offence comes in like a thief. Fine one minute, next minute spinning. And so be on your guard with it and when you come across it, which you will, deal with it quickly. It is best dealt with quickly. The longer you sit on it, the longer you just keep it rolling around, just uh, there's more that you have to keep dropping then <laughs> to um, get rid of it, get rid of it quick. So the focus. This verse calls Jesus, should know that word, <laughs> Jesus, who we are to fix our eyes on, it calls him the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, which are two really cool words and they have really cool meanings. Um, in other translations, the pioneer will be translated as founder, leader, originator, author, prince, the first. He is the pioneer. He has actually made the path. He was there first. Before you, you were here, he was here. Before you take the next step, he's already taken it. He's at the beginning of all of our races and he began this race. He set it out. He is the pioneer of it. He created it. He's the author of it. He wrote it all out. Our salvation was pioneered by him and we receive it as a gift just by believing. He's the beginning of every journey, race and step. And he was there from the beginning Jesus is also the perfecter of our faith, which is the completer or the finisher. You know, he's a alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the end. And it applies to our own race as well, our own lives and the race marked out for us. That He's the pioneer of it. He created it and he started it and he's with you at the start. And he's also with you all the way to the end. He's the perfecter of it. He brings it to completion. Um, other translations say completer or finisher. He's the beginning and he's the end. And of course, he's all the way through the middle with us because we have the Holy Spirit within us, which is the Spirit of God. And so he is with us the entire way. We are not doing any of this race on our own. None of it on our own. He's with you every step. He runs, along, he runs alongside us. He guides us and he corrects us. He's a bit like that girl with the Labrador trying to, come on, come on, come on, trying to get her leg in there. Come on, get him out of the food. 
And that's what Jesus is like for us as well. It's like, come on, come on, come on. Then look at that. Come with me. And he's beckoning us to follow. And he corrects us as well, which we need. We need it. We need to allow him permission. If we allow him permission, he perfects our faith. Now, what a gift that is, that he is the perfecter, author and the perfecter of our faith. That's pretty amazing. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so he began this work in you. He brought you to the point of salvation and he is going to complete this work and take you all the way through to the end. Sometimes we get so burdened by trying to have greater faith, but I just want to encourage you this morning that the faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. Jesus said you can, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say, get up from here and go there and it will obey you. And so whatever faith you have, and sometimes we all feel like it's inadequate and we don't have enough, but it actually is. It's a lie of the enemy to believe that you don't have enough faith. You do have faith. The faith the size of a tiny little mustard seed is enough to move mountains in your world and in the worlds of people around you. Um, in John 15 too, he talks about he is the vine and we are the branches and that if we stay connected to him, then we will bear fruit. And so just on this whole topic of faith, I just would like to encourage you this morning to relax because God's got this. And he's got you and all you have to do is stay connected to him. It's all you have to do. So just say to someone next to you, just relax, stay connected. Stay connected. It doesn't have to be hard. Thanks, Ailey. I will. Knowing that he is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith should bring us great comfort because he started this, he knew what was coming. Like we get to points in life and we're like, oh, can't believe that just happened or that shouldn't have happened to me and I never, you know, that shouldn't, that shouldn't happen in my life. And I've been through seasons in my life where just really hard stuff happened. I'm like, this shouldn't be happening to me. Like, this just shouldn't be happening to me. But God knew that that was going to be part of my journey and he was in it with me. And so um, between Isaac and Ava, we've got a four-year gap and there's a four-year gap because we lost three babies in the middle. And so in that season, and like the first time we miscarried, I was like, what was that all about? Maybe I just didn't pray hard enough. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to pray and I'm going to declare over my body and I'm going to do all these things. And I did all those things and then we lost another baby. And I was like, oh, this doesn't make sense. And I just realised in that moment that I believed somehow that no bad things would happen to me because I'm God's favourite, which I still believe. <laughs> my kids tease me about it, but I just keep telling them, well, I am God's favourite. And they can be his favourite too. And you can be his favourite too. That's the cool thing. It's like John who describes himself as the disciple Jesus loves. You are allowed to actually love God and receive his love for you. 
But in that time, it just like totally threw me and I just had to rework my thoughts about who God is. And I remember one day being out in my backyard um, after the third one <laughs> and I yelled out loud, who do you think you are? And I just heard this very quiet little voice say, God. <laughs> I was like, Dah! you are. <laughs> and I am not. And that's the struggle we have sometimes, that we don't actually get to dictate what happens in this race. He is the pioneer of it though, and he's the perfecter of it. And though it's not always comfortable and it's not always easy and it breaks our hearts and things happen that we think should not happen, but he's the pioneer and the perfecter and he never leaves us and he never forsakes us and he takes it through and he takes us through to the other side. And we need to take confidence in him that he's got this. We don't have to have this. Like we say to each other, you got this. But really God got this. And we're just hanging on to him because all we have to do is stay connected. Hebrews 10.35 says, Do not throw away your confidence. It holds a great reward. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And we can't throw away our confidence just because some stuff happens to us. We can't go, well, I don't want what you've got, God. Like, where would we go? <laughs> That's what Peter says. Where would we, when Jesus says, do you want to leave too? He goes, where would we go? And it's just like, where would we go? <laughs> it's so true because he alone is God and he holds us and he actually cares for us and we live in a very fallen world, but he's with us in it as we run our race and we have to do it with perseverance sometimes. It's not always a frolic through the meadow. <laughs> it's actually hard work sometimes and it's more like gumboots in the mud. And on days like that, I like to wear my docks, like I saw you've got on. Because then I feel like I can wear a dress and be lovely, but like I can kick the enemy in the head if I need to. <laughs> That's why I like docks. <laughs> They're the best boots ever and they keep my feet warm. But there is a reward at the end of this race. You are not running in vain. You are not going nowhere. You are actually going somewhere. And God has it all mapped out for you. There is purpose in the race. And there's benefit and for the freedom and the benefit of others. Like your race isn't actually just about you. It's not about you just getting to the end and getting your reward. Your race is designed to benefit other people around you and for the people that you're going to come in contact with. There's people all along the sidelines that you will inspire, that you will lead, that you will help, that you will bring to salvation, all of those things. Your race is never just about you. Your race is part of God's plan, overall big plan for the world. And though it might seem small and tiny sometimes, it's actually designed to get you where you need to go but also designed to get all these other people that are around you in your world to where they need to go because all of you have people in your world that I don't know like before today I didn't know half of you or more but we all are helping other people's faith journeys as well as they run their race we run our race and so when we also choose to be distracted and not run our race there's also other people around us that are going to struggle because they needed us to run our race. Not to put guilt, not doing that, but your race is actually important. 
And we want to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the pioneer and the perfecter. He's the beginning and the end and all the way through. So we do need to persevere because it's not always easy. And that word persevere comes from two words. One's hypo and the other's meno and they mean under. And the second word means remain or endure. So we have to remain and endure under something sometimes. And you know that feeling when you're just under something and you just have to persevere and keep going. To persevere is to have, you, you feel like you are under something and you just have to keep going and you endure to get through it. And we just need to persevere and to endure under those pressures because they don't last forever. They feel like they're going to last forever. But this is not your normal. If that's you and you just have tremendous pressure at the moment, it is not going to be this way forever. The seasons do change and things do lift. But in the time that you feel the under, you just have to keep walking. You just have to keep moving. And you will come out the other side. It will change. Philippians 3, 12 to 14 the Apostle Paul, who knew a whole lot about persevering in hardship, wrote this in verse 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we have a goal and we just have to press on at times towards it because there will be reward. We just got to stay connected to the vine and use our faith to move some distractions at times too. And we use forgiveness that was first given to us to forgive those around us too that are causing us to just stop and be stagnant in that spot and even forgiving ourselves as well so that we can move on. Now, I don't want this all to start sounding hard. We started in a really fun place with a video. <laughs> but the second bit is face-to-face. -face. We race to the place, but we do it face-to-face. -face. And the key is fixing our eyes on Jesus. The key to running with perseverance, your race that's marked out for you, is to fix your eyes solidly on Jesus. If you only hear one thing I say today, <laughs> fix your eyes on Jesus. It is the biggest key to all of our lives if we can just fix our eyes on Jesus. That second dog didn't go any which way. It just had its eyes fixed on its owner and it just went straight there. So how do we do that exactly? Because I like to be practical. And God actually gave me a picture of how to do this. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went to Bethel and my daughter Macy stayed over there for a little while and I um, had a sozo, which I think you guys know because Ali does sozos. And I was like, what better place to have a sozo than Bethel? So I signed myself up and went in. And one of the coolest pictures God gave me that I still just keep going back to in my mind is a picture of he and I just like face to face, locked as though in a dance and his face was just here. And he just was like, just look at me. Just look at me. Keep your eyes on me. 
And so when things get a bit ooh, in my world, I just come back to this picture and I just go, that's right, Jesus, you're right here and I'm just going to look at you. And all of this stuff that's going on, I'm just going to look at you. Because all of this can go on and it doesn't really matter when my eyes are fixed there. It doesn't distract me. It doesn't throw me off. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of my faith and my journey. And so he knows the way. I don't have to know the way. And you think of uh, people in a dance. If you've ever danced with a uh, guy that knows how to dance, you don't even have to know how to dance yourself. They just, you just move your feet and go. <laughs> and I think that that's how Jesus wants us to be that it's actually a place of intimacy that we have to be in with him. We can't do it from a distance. There's just too many distractions that get in the way. We actually have to be face to face. We just have to be face to face. Can you be my prop, Ellie? Can you stand over there? <laughs> and if I stand over here... I can fix my eyes on Ali from here, so I can be biblical, you can say. I can fix my eyes here. But then I can also be distracted by all of your lovely faces and I can look at the music instruments and I can enjoy all these things around and go, oh, I might go and look at that. Ali hasn't moved, but I'm beginning to be like that dog that's just a little bit distracted by things. And even if I fix my eyes, I'm like, right, I'm fixed again. But if we come closer, invade your personal space, <laughs> and we're close, then like I can't even see anything else. I can't see any of you. Sorry, I can't see anything on there. That's not my phone, is it? No, it's not. And I have got my eyes fixed. And that's how we need to be with Jesus. We have to be up close and personal. It's like his breath on your face, your eyes are locked. You no longer can see anything else around them because their face is so close to you. And so, thank you. Let me invade your space. Um, <laughs> that's how we need to be with Jesus. He's not a God that is far off and distant. He's a God that needs to be up close and personal. Just like in a relationship and with people you love, you hug people you love, you're close with them. But Jesus comes with us everywhere so he can actually stay that close to us throughout our lives and through difficult seasons and things that try and get in the way. There's, there's no room to get in the way. Like when we were miles apart, there's room for all sorts of things to get in the way. You could have run out for a prize and you're in the way and all of these things could have happened. But when you are close face to face, nothing can even get in there. And so you're staying connected. And I believe that that's the relationship he wants with us. He actually wants to dance through life with us. Which was funny because last night I said to Ali, what time do I need to be here in the morning? And she said, waltz on in whenever you like. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> and then it became a bit of a joke about just waltzing on in. But... That's actually how Jesus wants to do your life with you. He wants to waltz on in with you wherever you go and whatever you do and he wants to be that close to you. 
He doesn't want to be a far-off God that you go to on occasion or if you're feeling particularly broken, then you go close to him then. He actually wants to live in that dance embrace and actually dance you through your life. And he can dance you through the worst days and the best days. And there's no better dance partner. We want to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about keeping in step, that we walk and we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. This is how we keep in step, by keeping him close, face to face. And it's such a beautiful invitation from Jesus all the time that come, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened. Just come to me. It's not like a Kath and Kim, look at me, look at me. (laughs) It's just this beautiful, soft, come. Just come here. Come and dance with me. Come and sit with me. And we just need to find this space with him that we can actually be that intimate. Because until we're there, we're actually never going to run our race with any great speed or ability because we're going to be constantly doing the Labrador thing of all the fun things along the way. And there is fun things along the way and you don't miss out on them. And I know that in all the moments that I'm face to face with Jesus, I never feel like I'm missing out on anything. And so sometimes that's just a fear that you're going to miss out on something. But you're not. He'll still give you all the good things because he pioneered and perfected your journey before you even began it. And so even when you don't know where to go, you can just hold on to him and let him lead the dance and you'll just go and you'll get to the end. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of your faith. We just have to fix our eyes. And sometimes it's a trust thing. You've got to learn to trust him. Just like when you do a dance with someone. Have you ever been like at a bush dance or one of those dances and you end up with some person you're like, oh, not comfortable. (laughs) But it's never like that with him because he knows you. He knows everything about you and still loves you completely. Actually designed you the way that you are. And so we want to just do the dance with him and trust him. And you can do that incrementally if you need to. If you're a person that finds it hard to trust God, just trust him in this and then just trust him with that. And he will prove himself faithful because he is trustworthy. Where else will we go? Like we all know in this room that people will let you down and God is the only one that won't. And so trust him and just do it as you can as you get closer You might start dancing like this, like you do with the awkward people. But then with the people you know really well, you're not afraid to come in close. So I want to encourage you this morning to just come in close. Let Jesus be face to face. Just to look in his eyes, feel his breath on your face. And everything truly does just disappear. I don't know if we have any music that we could play, but if there was something we could play, it'd be nice just to have a moment where we can just sit because, like, we will offer um, 
prayer for you if we want to if you would like prayer we'd love to pray for you if you want prayer for healing or prayer for any other thing we'd love to pray for you this morning we're here to come meet God and for him to meet with us but first I want to give him opportunity to just meet you face to face without me being a distraction to you (laughs) 